Thank you, Dallas. You're welcome. Good morning, everyone. My name is Susan, and welcome to Unity Center for Positive Living. And Johnny, thank you for those great spring pictures. They give me hope. <laughs> uh, we'll begin today with the daily word. The word for today is free. The affirmation is divine wisdom, love, and strength guide me to freedom. While I may not be able to control what is happening around me, I have the power to choose my response. Even though it may seem paradoxical, assuming complete responsibility for my reactions and choices is the key to my freedom. No one and nothing can make me feel a certain way. Living from this awareness gives me the power to create my life from the inside out. I choose my thoughts, words, and actions. If I don't like what my life is showing me, I have the power to make new choices. I do not squander my spiritual freedom. Other people and worldly situations have no control over me. Taking full responsibility for my life, I am free to create my future by living from my divinity. And from 1 Peter 2.16, as servants of God, live as free people. Pretext for evil. And together we will sing Surely the Presence, led by Dallas and Linda. We will sing it twice through.
Our welcoming song this morning is This Is The Year. And please stand if you're able or interested. And then don't sit down because we're going to greet each other afterwards. Okay, go ahead and greet each other. 
And uh, let's see. for February 11th, which is the second week in February. And uh, please do come to hear reports and accomplishments of 2023 and to elect new board members and to help decide where our outreach funds will go. We need you. Uh, Lent begins, whoa, on February 14th, little competition there. And um, you can get your Unity booklet from unity.org, the 40 days of letting go and letting God. You can um, go online or call them and they'll send it to you for free. And it's full of readings and inspiration and guidance and I recommend it. And so does Eileen. 
Okay, and this afternoon, um, Circle America has the next session for the Book and Film Club. We're going to be discussing Which Way Home, which is a documentary you can access on YouTube. It's about <clears throat> unaccompanied children coming up from Central America through Mexico, hoping to get here to the United States. And uh, if you can't see it before this afternoon, I recommend that you look it up at some point. It's well worth seeing. And we received an art card from Amy and it's a fabulous spiral design and she is thanking us thank you unity and uh thank you amy and also i understand there'll be some of her other creations to view downstairs if you'd like and now what announcements do you all have yes um, I have tax documents for those that are here and are receiving them. I have them ready for you, and the rest of them will go out in the mail to you. All right. Eileen has tax documents. That sounds really serious. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, then, let's say our unity statement together. Unless anyone else has an announcement. Okay, so together let's say this. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others, revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. And our song of joy today is uh, Clear My Mind, and please stand if you'd like to.
morning. And keeping with today or this month's Power of Faith, I brought a reading from uh, Ram Das about faith and persistence. Many times in the course of meditation, you'll think of things you'd rather be doing. There may be moments of boredom, sexual desire, doubt, or fatigue. At these moments, you must call upon your faith. Faith in what? Faith in the power of meditation to change your awareness and your perspective about reality. It is to strengthen this faith that you study books rather than simply doing your practice. Study brings you a deeper understanding of why you meditate and what to expect. When you read other people's stories of a meditative life, you get a sense of the possibilities of your own. These inspirations can generate sufficient faith to override the difficult moments in meditation. Understanding feeds your faith. Along with faith comes a requirement for dogged persistence. At first, meditation may bring you mild highs or some relief from suffering. But there may come a time, just as there does in the development of any skill, when there will be a plateau. You may be bored, discouraged, or even negative and cynical. This is when you will need not only faith, but persistence. Often you will find yourself in training that forces you to sit when you wish you didn't have to. You subject yourself to this because something deeper within tells you to go on. It forces you to persist despite your abhorrence with the process. This persistent effort brings greater faith. Even to the end of the journey, faith is vulnerable. For example, your faith may be strong enough to sit in meditation. If you mix with people who sneer at it, their skepticism may weaken your resolve. But if you stay with meditation, faith in your path will strengthen until you can withstand any criticism, even your own doubt and dark night of the soul. When meditation works as it should, it will be a natural part of your being. There will no longer be anything apart from you to have faith in. Hope starts the journey, faith sustains it. But in the end, it goes beyond both hope and faith. And so it is. Our meditation song today is We Are Healing. And we will be led by Dallas and
featured speaker each week of the month. And today, on the fourth Sunday, we get to hear from Eileen Selig. And we're going to find out what she has to say. I know she knows about more than tax statements. I do, I do. However, taxes is on my brain. All right. Oh, hey, that is really picking things up today, isn't it? I don't have to get terribly close. Whew. All right. So, you know, there was this funny thing that happened, and this has happened to me a lot in the last year, so maybe I need to just stop trying to plan. Maybe that's the key. So, when I came and I spoke with y'all in ooh, November was the last time, and I didn't come here. I was sitting in the cold on my patio, you right. remember, and yeah. the trees were in the background. You know, there was some COVID stuff and all that jazz, and so I was freezing my little tickets off outside in my backyard. And um, and I really tried cramming in everything from this fabulous book about the trip to Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. And I finished that going, oh, wow, I really tried doing too much there. I will do it all next year. That's what I will do. We will take it one step at a time, one stage at a time, and we'll start in January. And then I sat here the last couple of days trying to figure out how to get started. And I read through this first stage. And as I told John, it just keeps spinning. And it just keeps spinning. And then I had this moment when I read the Daily Word where I thought, before we start on this journey to the trip of Bethlehem, I need to revisit my own journey that I've been on so far. I need to figure out where I've been and where I'm at before I come here and stand in front of y'all and talk about where we're going and how to get there. So, five years ago in March, believe it or not, five years ago in March, I got a phone call on a Saturday from Susan, it's her fault. And she says, um, you know how you said that you might someday be willing to maybe talk at church? Well, Dierica was in an accident and we need someone tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought, okay, Eileen, you're a school teacher. You can plan a lesson in less than 24 hours. You've got this, you can do this. And so what I did was I came and I told you all about me because that's an easy thing to do is to talk about me. Believe it or not, some of us struggle with talking about ourselves. When this particular topic comes up, I really don't. So ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna revisit my particular journey and fill in some of the holes from the last five years. And I hope those of you that have heard this before don't mind. So bottom line, it starts before I was born, believe it or not. My spiritual journey starts before I was born because you see, I was born to be Catholic. And I say that wholeheartedly, knowing the truth of the fact that I was born, I was conceived, I was intended to be in this world as a Catholic. And that is because if we go back, and I could say generations and generations ago, but no, we will go back as far as my grandparents, okay? Now, my maternal grandmother, now I gotta follow along here. My maternal grandmother, my mom's mom, was a novice 
at a convent in Seattle. She taught third grade there. She loved God. She loved what she did. But what she loved even more was kids. And she wanted more than just to teach them. And so she went to the mother superior before she took her final vows and she says, I really want to have kids. And mother superior says, well, you can serve God by going forth and having children. Oh, and the woman did. She had 11 of them. She raised eight boys and three girls. And she did a pretty good job of it. Now, that might be enough to claim that I was born to be Catholic. My grandmother was almost a nun. However, I've got more evidence. My paternal grandfather, my dad's dad, was studying at the Mount Angel Seminary in Oregon. And he had studied there for several years. And he intended one day to be a priest. By gosh, by golly, he went to go visit his sister one day. And the nanny came running down the stairs. And in that moment, he fell in love with something other than God. He married my grandmother, and they had children, 11 of them, eight girls, and three boys. I kid you not, okay? Now, these things happened in, oh, you know, like, 15 to 20 years apart from each other. So my dad was one of the oldest in his family and my mom was the youngest in hers. So I believe my dad's number three and my mom's number 11. So there's like a 20 year span between the oldest in each of these families. And so my parents, they got married in 1975 and in 1978, I was born the second of them. I was baptized in the same church that my parents were married in, which was also the same congregation, the same church that my father had attended his whole life. He had gone to school at the school there on the campus of the church. And for the first eight years of my life, I attended that fabulous little church, this wonderful little Catholic church in Silverton, Oregon. And my cousins went there, and I had friends there, and we had donuts on Sunday, and there were Easter egg hunts, and Christmas pageants, and Halloween parties, where I kid you not, Father Parker, who was amazing, by the way, had his own coffin, and he came out of it as Dracula on Halloween in the haunted house that he set up in his... Um, home there on the premises. That was great. And I probably would still be attending church in that fabulous little Catholic community in Silverton, Oregon, if there had not been life changes. And there's always life changes, right? So my family, um, mid 80s, economic stuff, shall we say, we had to relocate. And we ended up in Lacey, Washington. And my parents, being good Catholic people with three lovely little children, wanted to continue to go to church. And they went to what I've come to think of as the big box store of Catholic churches in the Olympia area, right? And it had a very, very different feel from the tiny little Catholic church that we had attended as children. 
And my parents, they tried really hard. They did Bible studies and we got involved with family groups and we went on Sundays and they just didn't feel right. So we stopped going. It's like I had my first communion. I had all of these wonderful feelings and all of these wonderful things and God was great. And then it was kind of like God was gone. And now what? Well, you know, okay. Mom started, mom got a job. She worked some Sundays. We played, you know, life goes on. No big deal. A few years later, I'm in middle school and lo and behold, it turns out that there's more than Catholicism in the world. Now, I think that on some level, I understood that as a kid, but all of a sudden in middle school, I had these friends and they were Mormon. What's that? Oh, I was a curious young lady, so I attended church with my Mormon friends. Do you know what the Mormons have going for them? Dances. <laughs> now, as a young person, getting to attend a dance, that's big stuff. So every month there was a dance. And so me and my little friends, we would put on our dresses and we would push the boundaries of the dress code requirements to attend the dances. And we would maintain the appropriate distance between bodies while we danced so that we had the pleasure of being in a room full of other jumping and shouting and joyous young people. I went to services. It was different. Not my thing. I'll stick to the dances. Okay. High school comes along and I make a new friend. Now all of my middle school friends, we've dispersed. We finished eighth grade and I went to this school and this one went to that school and this one moved to there and we got all separated. So I made a new friend my freshman year of high school and that young lady, she had gone to a private Christian school all the way up through eighth grade. And I was very confused. Aren't we all Christians? No, no, I mean, no. There are proper Christians, and then there is everybody else who claims to be Christian, and they're not. Oh, my golly, I guess I want, I want to be Christian. That's the idea, right? I believe in Christ. I should be Christian. Okay. I went with her to church. I went on the field trips. I got a Bible from the table in the back, and it was my first adult Bible because I had this fabulous children's Catholic Bible on my shelf at home, but this was a real Bible. <laughs> and so I had got a Bible from them. I went on field trips. I participated on Sundays, and they had a great youth program. It was wonderful to be with other young people, everybody talking about God. And then there was a lock-in, okay? So a lock-in, if you're not familiar, they take a bunch of young people and they lock them in a building, okay? It's supposed to be like a safe sleepover. You're not sneaking out and going places. You're all locked into a safe location. I'm telling you right now, it's never a good idea to lock young people together, okay? I don't care if you do think that you're doing it for Jesus. It's not a good plan. So we're in this lock-in and you know having a great time flashlights in the dark it was a huge building and we were having a lot of fun and then it was time to settle in for the night and i'm settling in i'm a sleeping bag in this big room full of young people and the youth minister is coming around and kind of checking in with people and he comes to talk with me and i made a fatal error he asked me 
about my faith that I made the mistake of saying, I'm Catholic. Well, in that moment, I got an earful about how wrong that is and how Catholics aren't going to go to heaven and that you only go to heaven if you are a true Christian and you declare Christ as your savior and so on and so forth. And in that moment, I realized that there were things that I wanted in a church, but there were also things that I did not want in a church. And so I walked away and I didn't go back. And it was a couple years later that I found myself once again wanting to feel some sort of a connection. And by this time, I'd made some choices. I child, I'm still in high school. But I went to what was familiar. I went back to Catholics. And I walked in and I threw myself in. All in. That's what I do, in case you haven't noticed. I went all in. I sang in the choir. I went every Sunday. I got as involved as I could get. I went to Bible studies. I occasionally brought my daughter with me to church. And yet, as much as I wanted it to feel right, and in many, many ways it did, because it was so familiar, I still didn't feel like I fit. And I was lost. Hmm. And so I went about my life, and okay, whatever. And then there was this odd thing, we'll call it divine appointment. My mother-in-law calls me one day, and she says, Eileen, do you want to take a tarot class with me? <laughs> now, mind you, I had had my own deck of tarot cards for some time, and my mother-in-law, or my mom, sorry, my mom used to do this thing when I was little where she'd put this, like, shower cap bonnet thing on her head, and she'd say she was the great Swami, and she'd, you know, lay out the cards, and we'd have great fun, you know, reading them. So my mother-in-law was like, you want to take a class? I was like, that sounds like fun. So I did. I signed up for this class with my mother-in-law and my mom. <laughs> and then the class got canceled because there wasn't enough interest. Turns out there was the three of us and one dude that had signed up to take this class. So we got a phone call from the instructor that says, I'm willing to offer this class for less than the college was charging, because it was through one of those community involvement thingamadoos. And she says, for less than the college was gonna charge, but you have to come to my home. Okay, I can do that. So we showed up and I met the most astounding woman. She had this lovely little home that was like in constant repair because her partner was a carpenter so you know kind of like mechanics or like my husband's in computers so all of ours are old because they can continue to make it work right tara was something i had never experienced before she was kind of bold and she was confident in who she was and what she believed and she had this office where we had our classes and it was this lovely little room full of warm colors and plants. And she talked about God in ways that I had never conceived of and I liked it. 
And she talked about other classes that she was going to offer. And so I did. I took another tarot class all in, right? I took a Reiki class and then another Reiki class. And she kept talking about her church off and on. And I was like, I need to check this out. So I walked into the Unity of Olympia for the first time on Mother's Day. And it was what, 2020? No, sorry, 2000. Got my twos all mixed up, 2000, 2001. And it was Mother's Day and it was amazing. I walked in and I was given a flower and I was honored for being a mom. And I sat through the most affirming, positive, beautiful church service I had ever gone to. It was awesome. And I was like, oh, this is it. Bowling. I was on the board for a while. I was a volunteer coordinator. I served coffee. I sang in the choir. All in. And it was amazing. My children came with me. My husband's not a church guy, in case you haven't noticed. I think he's come in this door twice for services. But the girls and I went, and it was wonderful. And I attended for several years. And then we moved, and life happened. I had a falling out with another member. We had moved, and it was a little more inconvenient. So I found myself sitting at home on Sundays. My kids doing other things and having sleepovers and so on and so forth until I started to really like feeling this need. Okay, so this time we went to the Nazarene folks, we went to the Presbyterian folks, we went back to the Mormon folks, we went to the Methodist folks, we went to the Lutheran folks. I visited them all. Spent some time with the Lutherans because that was comfortable, very similar to Catholicism, in case you're not aware. So the service was pretty familiar. Hung out there for a while, and it just wasn't right. So a little over five years ago, I walked through this door. I had come through this door before. The unfortunate thing is, as wonderful as we are, we didn't have something for my children. And so it wasn't a good fit for us at that time. But in between, I had done the whole homesteading thing with the goats and the chickens in the garden. I had done the Girl Scout thing. I had gone back to school. I had gotten a degree. I had become a teacher. I had done all kinds of things between the first time I walked through this door and the next time I walked through this door. And among those things was I had raised my children and they had left me because they do that. By the way, they come back. <laughs> At least in my experience. So I came through the door again, a little over five years ago. And I have the same wonderful feeling that I had the first time I walked into Unity of Olympia and the first time I came through this door with the warmth and the welcoming and the positivity and the idea that God was not something separate from myself, but something that I am a part of. And it was right, and it was home. And I've been all in. I speak now, once a month. I'm on the board. I do the treasury thing. I sing my little heart out. I get involved in most every way that I can. Because it's my home, and the longest spiritual home I've had. 
Now, in that five years time, there have been changes. Education being the only thing I ever wanted to do became hard, really hard. And I started to wonder if it was what I wanted to do. And then an opportunity came up and I found myself working at the Catholic school in town. And there are parts of me that say that there are such fundamental differences between Catholicism and unity that this can't possibly work. And yet, I still find comfort in the Catholic Mass. I still find joy in the music. I still find purpose in the message that is given in a Catholic Mass. And so here I am. I went to Mass this morning at 8.30. I took communion because I'm good with God. I'm speaking in a unity church and I listen to evangelical Christian music in my car and everywhere else because I have the freedom to worship how I choose, a freedom that is given to me by God and affirmed by the constitution of the country that I live in. I am free to experience God and Christ in whatever way works for me. And I am honored and blessed for this to be a part of my journey. And I thank you for allowing me to be a part of yours. So much, Eileen. I love how you wove freedom and our journey to Bethlehem that's coming up in such a great storytelling. Okay, so it's time for our offering now. And we are grateful to be the spirit of generosity giving of our time, talent, and treasure. So we thank people who have donated through mail and on the website. And uh, let's say our offering prayer together. As we hold our offering in our hands or hearts. Let's truly focus on each of these phrases as we say this. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, all that I receive, and all that I am. Say our blessing of thanks together. We bless these gifts and send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. 
They do good work in the world and return to us multiplied abundantly. And so it is. And it's time for our healing prayer. If you would like to focus our collective group healing energy for someone, you can speak out their name or hold them quietly in your hearts. Members of our church have requested that we send out healing prayers and energy to the people and the animals around the world that are displaced by war and natural disasters. The members of our communities who struggle to meet basic human needs and all those who we mention now. All those you have mentioned and our friend Hallie Bailey. Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for all and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. And let's say the prayer of protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. And now it's time for us to sing our peace song. If you would like to stand and circle up, uh, we'll get ready for that. And while you're doing that, I'd like to thank Eileen for speaking, Dallas and Linda for the music, Tom for the reading, Johnny for the great slides, and all of you for being here. Next, next week our speaker is Dr. Daria Funches, so come check her out.
Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. 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 Dallas.